Turn in your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 21. We'll be reading verses 7 through 38 at the end of the chapter. Let's give our attention now to God's Word. Luke 21, beginning with verse 7. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign? When these things are about to take place. And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all. For my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. Let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear. And with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. With power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place. Straighten up and raise your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, 
you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, pray that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. The grass withers, flower fades, The word of our God endures forever. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that our Savior knew exactly what was going to happen and when. We thank you that he comforts his own, that he instructs them, that he teaches them how to look upon all these things when they happen and what to do to be prepared for that blessed day of your appearing. Lord, would you teach us tonight by these words? We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, there are few topics that you could mention that will draw a crowd faster than a discussion about the end times. When you think about particularly the prophecy in Daniel Daniel's 69th and 70th week in particular, or the prophecies regarding the beast in the book of Revelation, or the thought of the tribulation period, war in the Middle East, or the rapture. What I want you to realize, my friends, is the fascination of so many people on these topics is nothing new. As a matter of fact, Jesus is fast approaching the end of his life on earth, and his closest disciples are thinking about these very things. And they are specifically asking, when will these things be? Now remember that in the immediately preceding passage, Jesus has foretold the destruction of the temple this magnificent building. And he says, the days are coming when one stone will not be left upon another. And the disciples are thinking, well, when? And and what are going to be the signs of that? And so that's what they're asking. Actually, all three of the synoptic gospel writers deal with this particular discussion. They all address this issue. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And what is going to happen at the end of the age? Now, if we had time, we could survey all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, But I can summarize that for you, and we see three things in particular. Number one, 
this question is posed after Jesus has ceased teaching in the temple. So Mark and Matthew in particular say it was when he went out and was seated opposite the temple on the Mount of Olives. Jesus has concluded his public preaching and teaching ministry. This is Thursday. He has left Jerusalem. He has gone to the Mount of Olives. There is this discussion, and then the Lord's Supper, the Passover, and then Gethsemane, and then his arrest, trial, and execution. So this is towards the end, but it takes place not in the temple. Jesus is finished teaching the people. Secondly, Mark identifies specifically Peter, James, and John, and Andrew as the ones who asked this particular series of questions. Matthew, particularly Matthew 24, gives us the fullest account of both the questions and the answers. So it's, when will these things be, as he describes the destruction of Jerusalem, what will be the sign of your coming, and when and what is going to take place at the end of the age? If you put all that together, it would appear that the disciples thought all of these things were going to happen at the same time. They were thinking that all of these things were going to happen at the same event. Now, what I think we have, have to do is to look carefully at this text and realize that there are two different events that are being described. So we have the destruction of Jerusalem, which most of you know takes place in 70 AD, so probably about 40 years from the time of Jesus' death. And then we also have the description of the return of Christ and the end of time, the end of the age. If we divide it up, we're going to divide it into three passages of Scripture in Luke 21. Verses 8 through 24 describe the destruction of Jerusalem. Verses 25 through 28 describe the second coming of Christ and the end of the age. And verses 29 through 38, he gives some final exhortations and words about preparing for those events. Some of these disciples were going to see the former, and they needed to be prepared. All of us are still waiting to see the second the coming of Christ, and the end of the age. And we need to be prepared for that. So let's look at these three areas. First of all, a word about the destruction of Jerusalem. Two things that Jesus highlights and singles out as being especially important for his disciples to be thinking as they're anticipating this first event. And the one 
is do not be deceived. Don't be misled. Because many are going to come. And I know in my life, I've heard of people who have actually said, I am the Messiah. Follow me. Many more have said, I know all about this. I know when it's coming. I can tell you what to do. Follow me. And you will be ready to meet the Lord. And Jesus is saying, don't be deceived. Don't be misled by these things that happen. The second thing that Jesus says is don't be terrified. It's uncanny how many times people begin to talk about earthquakes and pestilence and famines and and all these kind of turbulent things taking place around the world. And they're filled with fear. They're terrified. Jesus says, These things are going to happen, but do not be terrified. Don't be misled, don't be deceived, and don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, when you see nation rising against nation, don't don't be afraid because God is still in control. He is the one who raises up kings. He is the one who puts them down. We saw that in the, in the reading tonight in Jeremiah. So Jesus says, don't be deceived. Don't be terrified. And so he says, when you see these things happen, know that they're going to happen. And then he says these very important words. He says, but the end is not yet. And so here, Jesus reminds us, these things are going to happen. Now, why would he say, but the end is not yet? This is not the, 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 the end of the age. Because what he's talking about at this point is the destruction of Jerusalem. And brothers and sisters, if you want to understand the teaching of Jesus about the end times, it is imperative that you realize he's dealing with two different things in this portion of God's word. He is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem In verses 8 through 24. And my friends, that's already happened. The wars, nations rising against nations is, is history. It took place in 70 AD when Titus came and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. So when we think about this, and and by the way, it's very, very interesting. I don't know how many of you are really fascinated by history, but you would find it amazing to read the writings of Josephus on the history of the Jewish wars leading up to 70 AD. You can take Josephus' description and overlay it over the biblical prophecies 
and they can almost match up point for point. To read his description of the death, of the bloodshed, of the smoke, of the fires, of the desolation that takes place in Jerusalem, you and I cannot fathom what that event was like. But anyway, Jesus says this is what's going to happen when Jerusalem is destroyed. This does not refer to us. This is not about our day. It is about the fall of Jerusalem into the hands of the Roman army and the Gentiles in 70 A.D. Well, let's contrast that with a word about the second coming of Christ and the end of the age. One of the most radical features about this passage of Scripture are the marked differences between the signs of the destruction of Jerusalem and the signs of the coming of the Son of Man. In the destruction of Jerusalem, the signs mentioned here are often local. They have to do with the immediate surroundings of Jerusalem itself. They are often geographically specified, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But when we come to the events surrounding the coming of the Son of Man, the signs mentioned are cataclysmic. They're not dealing with local events and happenings. They're universal. They're global. They're going to take place throughout the entire world. This is very, very different between the two. As to the first, notice what Jesus says in verses 10 and following. Nation is going to rise against nation. Earthquakes, famine, pestilences, persecution... And he mentions specifically, you're going to be brought before the synagogues. That's specific to the time period. Have any of you been brought before the authorities of a synagogue? Has anyone questioned your faith in that context? You are going to be hated. You're going to be betrayed even by family members. But don't worry. Jesus says your response needs to be, and and the New King James says, in patience, possess your souls. In other words, be patient when these things happen. ESV says, speaks of your endurance. Endurance in your soul. So what we, we need to recognize here is that Jesus is describing these things and he says your response needs to be be patient, endure, press through these things. In verse 20, he begins to get very geographically specific. He says when Jerusalem So he's pinpointed now what he's talking about. When Jerusalem 
is surrounded by armies. He's not talking about different nations coming against and wars taking place. He says when Jerusalem is surrounded with armies, you know the time is near. And then, interestingly enough, he says, when you see these signs, flee to the mountains. Now, what's going to happen if you take that in a broader sense in reference to the second coming of Christ, what happens if you live in the low country of South Carolina? There's not a mountain within 250 miles. How are you going to flee to the mountains? This is geographically specific because there are mountains all around Jerusalem. When Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, flee to the mountains. What about these women who are pregnant or nursing babies? Well, what difference is it going to make when Jesus comes back, whether you're pregnant or not? That is specific to the destruction of Jerusalem. When it comes to the second, when Jesus returns, the signs are vastly different. There are going to be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. They're going to be global. They're going to be universal. There are going to be signs on the earth and in the sea. And and men's hearts are going to fail for fear. There's not going to be anything about fleeing from this day. When Jesus returns, this is not a local event. The powers of heaven are going to be shaken. The mountains will not save you when Christ returns. It will not matter whether you're pregnant or nursing when you see the Son of Man in the clouds. These are not local events. They are global and universal events. Many of you may remember how the Apostle Peter describes the day of the Lord. And Scripture always speaks of one day of the Lord, not two Not three. There's one day of the Lord. And that is when Jesus comes back. Listen to what Peter says. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Not secretly, but suddenly. Without expectation. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements, all the elements, the earth, the the, the universe will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This is not going to be a local event. This is going to be a global event. When Jesus comes back, it will be a day of dread and a day of judgment for the wicked. But listen, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are trusting him as our Savior and Lord, that day is going to be something not that we fear, 
not that brings fear into our hearts. It's going to be a day of joy. It's going to be a day of great hope and great desire being fulfilled. Remember how how Jesus puts it here in this passage in verse 28 in particular. And he says, when these things begin to happen, then look up. Look up. You can start shouting because your redemption is drawing near. The fulfillment of everything we desire is going to take place at that moment. So we won't be finding our hearts failing for fear. We won't be crying for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon us. We will be looking up with joy, with excitement, with anticipation, because our redemption, our full, perfect redemption is about to take place on that day. There will be no need for endurance There will be no need for possessing your souls in patience because we will see Jesus. And when we see him, we're going to be made like him. Well, let's look at this final word Jesus gives about being ready and prepared. The disciples have said, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? Jesus says, well, look at the fig tree. Look at any tree. When it begins to bear leaves, you see, you know, summer is near. Winter is over. And now life is beginning to show signs on the tree. And so it will be when you are thinking about the destruction of Jerusalem It's going to happen like this. You're going to see these signs when you think about the coming of the Son of Man. That's interesting that these things, when he he says in, in verse 28 or 29, you look at the fig tree, and when you see these things in verse 31, you know that the kingdom of God is near. That these things span from the fall of Jerusalem to the coming of the Son of Man. And that may help us to take that broader sense to properly interpret verse 32. Jesus says, this generation will by no means pass away till all this happens. Till all of this takes place. Now, what does that mean? Well, this, this is one of, of those somewhat obscure verses of Scripture. And being able to pinpoint it, it's not going to fall out in nice, clear lines like we would like for it to. But of all the possible explanations, I prefer that of William Hendrickson when he says that This generation is not referring to those people living at that moment, but it's referring to the Jewish people as a whole, that there will be Jews living from that moment 
until Jesus comes back. Which may, in fact, be exactly what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 11.1. When he says, has God cast away his people? God forbid. Absolutely not. There will be Jews. There will be a remnant. Those who truly love God and serve God and believe on Jesus until Jesus returns. Now, that might not be the clearest explanation, but it's, it's the best, I think, that we have. This verse may not be that clear, but my friends, the overall lesson that Jesus is driving at here is without any ambiguity. Jesus is very clear. And what he's saying to his disciples is Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And the Son of Man is coming back. And no matter when you live, one or both of those things are going to take place. And you need to be ready. Now the first thing has already taken place. But the second has not. And we, my friends, need to be ready. What do you need to do to be ready for the coming of the Son of Man? Well, Jesus highlights two elements. Number one, watch. Watch. Lest your hearts be weighed down. And then he names Drunkenness and, and carousing, diff, different words that are used for, for that word. But then he names the cares of this life. Do you understand his point? Sometimes it's the sinful pleasures that we're tempted to. But we need to watch against that. But sometimes... It's just a spirit of worldly-mindedness, of being captivated by the cares of this life. They don't have to be sinful cares. They can be very legitimate cares. But my friends, you need to watch against them. They're both equally dangerous. And they can cause that day to come upon us unexpectedly. Watch. Watch against the sinful temptations. But watch against the cares of this life that so occupy your mind and your soul and your money and your attention and your affections that you don't have time for God. That you don't take time to nurture your relationship with Christ. That you don't have time to care for the needs of your soul. You need to care for your family. You need to care for your home. You need to to face the cares of this life. But don't let them dominate you. Watch. Watch lest that day come upon you unawares. Secondly, pray. 
and I find this especially interesting in, in the context. Watch, therefore, and pray always. And Jesus says, pray specifically about two areas. That you're worthy to escape the judgment. For them, it very well could have been all the, the suffering and pain that would take place in the destruction of the Jerusalem. But for us, it is pray, my friends, that you are counted worthy to escape the judgment when the Son of Man comes. This is serious business, is it not? What do you pray for? I think the words of the prophet are pretty clear when he says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, what the Lord requires of you. He requires that we humble ourselves and pray and confess our sins to him. He requires that we humble ourselves and pray and seek his forgiveness. And we know that the only way we can obtain that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, that cleanses us from those sins. We are to pray that Jesus will own us as his child, as his sheep. We are to pray and confess him as the Lord of our lives and ask for grace to live in a way that, that honors him and glorifies him as the Lord of all. We are to follow him and call upon the name of the Lord that we might be saved. We pray that we will escape the judgment. And when you do that, my friends, you will know his blessing. You remember how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 25? In this, when he says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. Jesus gives us this picture in which all people are going to be standing before the Son of Man when he comes. And he's going to divide them into two groups. The sheep on his right, the goats on his left. And he's going to say to one, come, come. And receive the favor, the blessing, the hope that has been prepared for you even before the world began. And to the others, he is going to say, depart from me, ye wicked. I never knew you. My friends, we need to pray. We need to be ready. We need to know what it is to be numbered among the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. With this, Jesus concludes his ministry among the people and largely even among his disciples. And all that remains are his words regarding the Lord's Supper and that blessed 
event. And so we come to the close, really, of Jesus' public ministry, of his teaching, of all the things we need to know. And here our Savior comes down to this. Watch and pray, lest that day come upon you unawares. Are you ready for that day? What if it were today? Are you ready? May God give us grace to look to him in faith and trust him for his abundant grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these exceptional words, pointed words. And we ask that you would work in our hearts that we might not leave this place without being assured that we will be counted worthy to stand before the Son of Man when he comes. Oh, Lord, give us that grace, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.